Welcome to the Life Academy Podcast. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this podcast of the Life Academy. I'm Pastor Doug Pratt, speaking to you today about a Christian perspective on the salvation of the Republican and Democratic parties. As I do each time I'm with you, I remind you that the following words are my own opinions, not necessarily those of other pastors and leaders at First Church. This will be a Christian perspective, not the only one. I offer reflections to encourage thoughtful consideration and debate, not to impose a groupthink or mandatory viewpoint on anyone. Believers in Christ who share a common worldview and are grounded in our common Bible can nevertheless respectfully have different ideas, and that is healthy. Today's perspective is a follow-up to the previous one entitled, People Without a Leader. I am speaking to you not as a professional politician or a partisan advocate, but as a Christian citizen of the United States in the early 21st century. Wherever I have lived, I have registered a political party preference for the party that is dominant in that region in order that my votes in primary elections will matter, because in some locations, that is where the most important decisions are made. I believe that political parties are human and fallible creations. They mutate over time. Neither of the dominant parties in America today are what they were 100 or 50 or even 20 years ago. As a committed follower of Christ, my Lord alone deserves my ultimate and unshakable allegiance, not a political party. His kingdom is where my eternal citizenship and my loyalty will always be. Indeed, all Christians have dual citizenship. We owe earthly allegiance to a nation and its tangible government, but we also belong to an invisible kingdom made up of citizens from every country. We will talk about the salvation of the current Republican and Democratic parties, but I do not use the term salvation in its theological and spiritual meaning. Groups of people cannot be saved in the ultimate sense. Only individuals can be saved. Biblical salvation involves a trust in Jesus and a personal spiritual relationship with him for the remainder of this lifetime until a complete relationship is experienced forever in his unbroken presence. Let me explain further that salvation for a political party does not mean winning the White House for a four-year term or controlling Congress for two years. It means moving towards God's purpose and God's principles for a nation. The more a people follow his ways, the more they are blessed. Abraham Lincoln, during the Civil War, a century and a half ago, was famously asked once by a reporter if he believed God was on the side of the Union against the Confederacy. He replied, The question is not if God is on our side, but if we are on God's side. Divine providence is nothing we can manipulate or control. The Word of God is to be obeyed, and the consequences will follow. God is always free to act in the affairs of mankind as he chooses. We begin with a Christian perspective on what it will take to see what I'm calling the salvation of the current Republican Party. 
nationwide opinion polls with just a year to go until the next presidential election consistently show that former President Trump has a significant lead over the other candidates of his party, and some polls indicate he could defeat an increasingly weakening President Biden. My conviction is that the country would not be best served by his election to another term. The obvious reasons are that it would likely embroil an already divided nation into more partisanship. The self-proclaimed resistance of the hard left that began in November 2016 and the mainstream media with their continual Trump derangement syndrome and the potential for ongoing criminal and civil trials. We don't need that. And Trump's first term, while producing some economic and foreign policy triumphs, revealed a number of his personal flaws, including, I believe, a narcissistic tendency. A fuller picture of the current state of our country reveals a much more fundamental problem. The U.S. government has grown so large, and the problems of a massive 350 million person nation and an even more massive 8 billion person world divided into almost 200 countries have grown so enormously that it is impossible for one man or woman to function effectively as the sole leader of the so-called free world. The job is simply too big. Like an elephant trying to balance on a small stool, the sheer weight of all the problems of governing are likely to cause a collapse. The world is just too complex, too interconnected. My proposal is this, that the leading Republican presidential candidates other than Donald Trump, along with their advisors, recognize this fact of the impossibility of one-person rule and change the landscape of national politics. Rather than trying to be elected as a single individual to do an overwhelming job, they need to combine their skills and offer to the American public a team Republican. Instead of one person, they should join together to present a united front. One of them, according to the Constitution, must be designated as president. But a vice president can function effectively the way a chief operating officer does alongside a chief executive officer in a well-managed corporation. Perhaps the president takes the primary role in world affairs and the vice president in domestic affairs and legislation. And at the same time, the team Republican slate, ideally announced no later than the early primaries, would include the best people for the key cabinet positions, state, defense, justice, and treasury. And this team could campaign in tandem, side by side, rather than pathetically squabbling with each other in debates, making an appeal for unity to the party's primary voters and nominating convention, and then to the whole nation in the general election. A team of gifted leaders who are humble and principled and who care less about their own power than the good of the country could be a game changer. Like the best championship sports teams who don't rely on one superstar athlete, but who are content to be mutually supportive role players, this team approach to national leadership can alter the political landscape. 
It can rescue our country from economic, social, and political turmoil and restore our trustworthiness around the globe, which has been so damaged by the quirks and inconsistencies of our recent leaders. I assume that this is not a new concept and that I'm not the first one to think of it. Surely some smart people who are deeply engaged in our political system have already pondered this. But of course, the concept is very far outside the proverbial box of how we have done government in the past, and people tend to default to the status quo even when the status quo isn't working well. Nevertheless, my dream will remain that a few courageous politicians would be willing to get together, set aside their egos and personal ambitions, admit that no single individual can govern a sprawling country, and covenant with one another to be a team for the common good. The impact of such selfless teamwork would be powerful. Why, it would be almost another American revolution. What about the current Democratic Party? From a Christian perspective, I believe the Democrats need to begin with the fundamental biblical principle of repentance. As the great C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity observed, when we are going the wrong direction, the essential first step is to turn around. How has the Democratic Party gone wrong? It has turned its back on the true liberal principles— that is, liberal in the classic centuries-old Western tradition. Their heritage was a concern for inclusion, fairness, and tolerance. And Democrats still use those words, but they mean something very different now. The reality is that the party which once claimed to represent minorities, the working class, and the poor, is now embracing totalitarianism, mandatory groupthink, coercion, exclusion of any who disagree with them, and the expansion of government power over individual rights. My sense is that at least since the first term of President Obama, the Democrats have ceased to be the party of the lower and middle class and have actually become the mouthpiece for the elites, for the coastal ruling class, for the government and business and media and higher education and entertainment establishment. Groups of fallible human beings who acquire power are always tempted by our sinful nature to abuse that power. And we have numerous examples of the current ruling class attempting to do so. Those Americans, including many committed Christians who believe in the sanctity of all human life or who are uncomfortable with the aggressive LGBT agenda being promoted to our children or who prefer a limited federal government— have been forced out of the Democratic Party. Faithful Catholics, Protestants, and Jews sense that religious faith has no place among the Democratic elite and that it has become the party of atheism and secularism. The only way a party can repent and change is through the humbling of defeat. If Democrats win the next election for the White House and Congress, there will be no incentive to change, and their most extreme voices will be emboldened. But for the long-term spiritual and moral health of that political party, I believe it needs a defeat to trigger a re-examination. 
not unlike the defeat that the ancient Jews needed to experience at the hands of Babylon in order for their heritage to be rediscovered and their commitment to God renewed. The true political salvation of the Democratic Party is, therefore, to be found only in, first, a recovery of the values of true liberalism, and second, a rebuilding of their farm system that is desperately depleted. In an analogy from the sport of baseball, every team needs a fresh supply of younger talent being groomed and prepared to take the place of the older players. And when a major league team starts to decline, it needs fresh blood. The Republican farm team is currently, in my opinion, very strong. There are a number of younger generation leaders that have emerged. In comparison, the Democratic minor leagues are depleted, and the party is dangerously dependent on a geriatric generation that continues to hang on, notably Biden, Schumer, Pelosi, Sanders, and Warren. Few up-and-coming statesmen and women have been allowed to emerge in the Democratic Party who are not at the far-left extreme. One of President Biden's greatest failures, I believe, is that he has apparently not mentored younger Democrats into visible leadership and by all accounts has effectively shut his vice president out of a meaningful role, perhaps due to her own limitations or due to a narcissistic clinging to power and perks. His insistence on running for re-election in his mid-80s is a sign that he can't let go and that he has no vision for passing the baton to younger successors. Well, those are my thoughts, admittedly thoughts from afar. I live in southwest Florida, a great distance from the swamp of political intrigue in Washington, from the New York-based news media, from so-called blue states and cities, and from the college campuses where the radical progressive agenda is dominant. My perspective on the current and future condition of the nearly 250-year-old American experiment in self-government may be judged by you to be prescient and wise or to be naive and flawed. Either way, I offer my insights for you to consider and reflect. I love my country. I mourn for its troubles and I pray for its destiny in the years to come. I trust these are your sentiments as well, whatever your political persuasion. This is Pastor Doug Pratt for The Life Academy. Thank you for joining us for this Life Academy episode. We encourage you to subscribe. And if you enjoy our podcast, please share it with your friends and family. 